Sri Vishnu Sahasranam name 865 Adhama Adhamaha it's not not Adhama Adham this word comes in Bhagavad Gita Naradhama the lowest among human beings Adham means the lowest but this is a completely different word it's Adhama A not negativizing negating and Dhamma the name is derived from the same root as the two previous names, Danda, Damiyata, which means to subdue, to bring under control. So it means who is, Adama means indomitable. The English word sounds a bit like the Sanskrit. Shankaracharya and others treat the name as Dhamma according to how the samas, the words, are broken up, it can be understood, the name can be understood as Adama or Dhamma. Prasarabhata uh, takes it to be Adama, that no one can subdue him in any way. Indomitable, that's the meaning. Prasarabhata, in this regard, Quotes from Mahabharata. Bhasma kuryat jagat sarvam manasaiva janadanaha natu kritsam jagat chaktam kinchit kartam janadana. Janadana, Krishna, just by willing it can turn the whole universe into ashes. But everything and everyone in the universe combined together can do no harm to him. We are reminded of the Bengali saying, it's not exactly the same, but similar meaning, Rake Krishna Mare Ke, Mare Krishna Rake Ke. If Krishna wants to protect someone, who can harm him? And if Krishna wants to harm someone or kill someone, who can protect him? Going on to Shankaracharya's treatment of this name, well, it's actually the opposite, isn't it? Dhamma. He's Adama and Dhamma also. So he gives the, Shankaracharya gives the meaning uh, that... Danda Damiyata gives the idea of punishment, the one who meets out the punishment, and then Dhamma, he is the result of the discipline that is ministered. In other words, he is punishment itself. Whatever punishment is meted out to those who deserve and require punishment, it's supposed to be for rectification. So the result of the punishment that is supposed to be rectification. And that's also a manifestation of Bhagavan. This is also important to understand. This, this is not just all theoretical because we're all in the material world 
suffering punishment at every moment because it's a miserable place. Sometimes it becomes more intense. And then when we see so much suffering all around us and ourselves, we may personally suffer in so many ways, we can realize that whatever apparent bad is happening in the world, it's all the plan of Krishna to reform us all, to bring us to our senses. In the Abrahamic religions, the great theism versus atheism debates go on on the problem of evil, theodicy. If God is good, why is there evil in the world? This isn't a subject of discussion in the dharma-based religions, namely, quote-unquote, Hinduism, and then Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism. Because we understand that purusha sukadukhanam bhuktritve heturuchate. We get what we deserve. We make our own fate. Krishna is involved, therefore we have these names, Danda, Damiata, Dhamma. But it's just like you can't blame if, if, the, if the judge, or let's give another example, the parent, the father beats the child for, some, for stealing something, stealing some... I don't know, stealing some fruit from the neighbor's orchard or something like that. And the father punishes. So you can't say, well, the, the, the father, you can say, is the cause of the punishment. But you could, in one sense, but really the cause is the, the boy who did the wrong thing. And you can't blame the father for that. He's only doing his duty for the betterment of the child so that he'll grow up <clears throat> with some discipline. He, Bhagavan, is the discipline, and he's the discipliner. And whatever discipline we get, we should understand it's all for our benefit. That's the point. Even we see so much bad in the world, but we shouldn't judge it from our own viewpoint. It's bad for me. It's, it's, it's so bad, that, but we should learn. Uh, I'm suffering, others are suffering. Why? Because we cause suffering. We should stop sinful activities. Radha Krishna Shastri gives a similar meaning that uh, Dhamma is the means to control the unruly. And... This is supposed to result in control of the senses. The yogis voluntarily try to control their senses. But actually everyone in society has to, to some extent. For instance, one may be walking on the street, a man may be walking on the street, and he sees a beautiful woman, and he has a desire for her. But he could, even if he's not a yogi, he won't just molest her or jump on her or something like that. Just for social intercourse, there has to be some degree of self-control, 
Uh, that's probably why in Islam, uh, in Islamic culture, the uh, full covering of the body of the female is supposed to help to control those desires. Anyway, that's another subject. Another meaning of Dhamma is him by who all the senses are controlled. We have in Bhagavad Gita the qualities of a Brahmana, Shamo Dhamma. Dhamma is the second of the qualities expected of a Brahmana, or, or a Brahmana has to actually have to qualify as a Brahmana. Dhamma, self-control, this is automatically in Vishnu. It's not that he's impelled by uh, desires for sense enjoyment. In one sense, yes. But it's not that the, the, the in our situation, the external energy is working on us and we have to, to try to control the influence of the material energy so that our senses are not agitated. But the material energy stands far away from Vishnu. His senses are automatically under control. And then we come to another meaning of Dhamma. He controls everything. Dhamma yati iti Dhamma. Satyadeva Vashishta says. Dhamma he interpreted to mean he controls those who violate the rules of God, dharma. And here he gives control. He explains that to mean, of course, we know in a general way, God controls everything. But specifically here, uh, Satyadeva Vashishta says that he controls everything such that they, everything acts according to its function, the, the natural function it has, the natural nature it has. The planets, they move according to his order. The eye sees, the ear hears, the nose smells, the snake slithers on the ground, the fish wiggles in the water. It's all ordained by him. That point, the eye sees, the ear hears. Of course, for Bhagavan, we have Angani Yasya Sakalindriya Vritti Manti, Pashanti Panti Kalayanti Chirang Jaganti. We have that each of his senses can perform the functions of any other of the senses. Atheistic people, or even uh, not very developed theists, they doubt that if we put food, we place food on a plate before the deity, they doubt you're not eating, you just put it then took it back. But he eats by seeing. He's the controller of everything, and particularly Daityan Damayati Iti Damaha. Particularly, he controls the demons. Otherwise, uh, their tendency is to be uncontrollable, out of control, 
and they're always causing trouble, but he uh, brings them back under control. He, he keeps them under, from causing absolute, total havoc. Then another meaning. Uh, Adama. Instead of, we, we have the, the, the meaning is given for Dhamma, which means suppressor. Adama, not suppressed. And now Adama. The, the, by Sanskrit grammar, the, this can also be understood to mean Adama and Satyasanda Tirtha of the Madhva Sampradaya takes Dhamma here to mean wealth and Adama to mean he gives wealth, he, 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 uh, which he unpacks to mean he gives all that the devotees desire to them. Um, or this is um, Raghunath Tirtha, another commentator, um, splits up the word in a different way and comes to the conclusion that he gives all the things that the devotees desire, just like the Kalpa Vriksha tree, the, the wish-fulfilling tree. Baladev Vidya Bhushan, continuing the theme of Krishna subduing the seven bulls uh, when he went to win the hand of Satya, Nagnajiti, says that Adama means he was not subdued by any of those bulls. Name 866, Aparajita. It means invincible, unconquered, similar to Adama, the name we just did. This already occurred at... At name 721, uh, Jaya means victory. Parajai gives the idea of defeating over others. Aparajita means not defeated by others, so invincible. In the previous instance of the name, Parashrabhata gave, gave the idea that he cannot be defeated kvachit, kadachit, kutaschit, aprateyhata, aparajit. He cannot be defeated by anyone or anything at any time, anywhere, under any circumstance. His power to rule over others is complete. His desires and his actions cannot be obstructed by anyone at any time, anywhere. This time, Parashara Bhatta gives the idea that anyone he supports is also invincible. And the obvious example is that of the Pandavas who are up against the much stronger army of the Kauravas. And they also had the two greatest fighters on their side, Bhishma and Drona. In this regard, Parashara Bhatta quotes the last verse of Bhagavad Gita, Yatra Yogeshvara Krishna Yatra Partho Dhanur Dharaha Tatra Shrir Vijayo Bhutir Dhruva Nitir Matir Mama. Note the name Dhanodhara for 
Arjuna here, we just had that name in Bhagavad Gita as the name of Vishnu. Here it's used as a name for Arjuna. Anyone who holds a bow can be called Dhanadhara, but especially it refers to Vishnu and to Partha, Arjuna also, famous for his Gandiva bow. So this verse, last verse of the Gita, wherever there is Krishna, Yogeshwara, the master of all mystics, and Arjuna, the wielder of the mighty bow, Gandiva, there, there must be opulence, victory, wealth, morality. That is my conclusion, says Sanjaya to Dhritarashtra. Also, Prashrabhata quotes from the Charak Sanghita from Ayurveda, in which when administering medicine, there's a verse, Yataham Nabhijanami Vasudeva Parajayam Matuscha Parnigraharnam Samudrasya Cha Soshanam Etena Satyavakena Sityatam Agadohyaham Sityatam Agadohyaham So you may have heard that word Parajayam So this uh, translation. On the veracity of the following statements, may this medicine be pounded and be effective. So yeah, it's, it's when preparing medicine. The first proposition, there is no defeat for Vasudev. And this is, this is an absolute statement. That may this medicine be so effective that it must work, just like Vasudev is never defeated. Then the next proposition. I have not seen the marriage of my mother because it's not possible to be born before the marriage of your mother. Of course, nowadays it's something quite different. The child can attend the marriage of the mother, but that's not the proper or normal system. Uh, <clears throat> the ocean will never dry up so on the basis of these three absolute statements, just as Vasudeva will never be defeated, I say with all satyavakyena, he says, with all veracity, I have not seen the marriage of my mother and the ocean will never dry up. So in the same way, may this medicine be so effective that when it is administered, it will work, it must work. So that's from... Charak Sanghita. See that all the Vedas, they're all interlinked. Ayurved, Jyotish, Dhanurved, all the, everything, grammar, everything is linked. Then another statement from a Shastra called Vaitarana. Similar kind of statement. This is a poison-removing mantra. People nowadays don't believe in such things. At least when I was traveling in the villages in Bengal in the 1980s, such things were quite normal and known. Even Muslims had their own mantras according to Arabic for removing snake poison and so on. Anyway, this is the verse. 
Let this poison-removing mantra be effective, just as the ocean is imperturbable. Himavan, the Himalayas are unshakable. They are unmovable. You can't pick up the Himalayas and carry them away. Fire is unapproachable and Narayana is unconquerable. From Ramayana, various statements. Uh, Ajaya Shashvata Dhruvaha he is firm and fixed, eternal and invincible. Ajaya. Ajita Kargadrik. Ajita, same. He is unconquered and he holds a sword. From Mahabharata. Dashaham Aparajitam. Dasharha can refer to Krishna or Balaram. Here it refers to Krishna. Aparajita, the very word that we're discussing here, Vishnu Sahasrana, means Krishna who is invincible. Yata Krishna Tatojayaha. Where there is Krishna, there is victory. Quoting from Srila Prabhupada's purport to Bhagavad Gita, as it is, chapter 1, text 14. Jayas tu Panduputranam Yeshang Pakshe Janadanaha. Victory is always with persons like the sons of Pandu because Lord Krishna is associated with them. Uh, Parashrabhata also gives several examples from the Mahabharat in which, uh, well, for instance, he states that the devas, the demigods, uh, and the rishis and all knowledgeable persons, so many descriptions that those who are supported by Krishna, Narayana, they can never be conquered. Karna took a boon from Indra. Indra took the birth the armor that was on Karna from his birth. Indra, by trickery, Indra took it from Karna and then Karna took a boon from Indra uh, that Karna wanted the boon that he can kill who he wants to kill but Indra says yeah, I, I give you the power to kill one major fighter, but that one cannot be Arjuna because he's protected by Krishna. Krishna is none other than the Aparajit, Ajita, unconquered, unconquerable. Hari previously took the form of Varaha. He's incomparable, Narayana. Then another example from Mahabharata, Jayadrata did severe austerities because 
he had been insulted in his mind by the Pandavas uh, and he wanted to get his back on the, he, he he wanted to get revenge so he did austerity uh, and he got a boon from Shiva and Shiva told him that okay I'm giving you a boon that in battle you'll be able to ward off the attacks of all kinds of very powerful fighters, but not Arjuna. Because Arjuna cannot be defeated even by the gods. Shiva knew. Shiva himself fought with Arjuna. But why Arjuna is unassailable, why Arjuna is Aparajita, this Aparajita is being described by Parashara Bhatta as who makes he who makes others undefeatable. So, Arjuna, Shiva told Jayadrata, is undefeatable. He's protected by Krishna. Bhishma, Drona, and others, they repeatedly say, we'll find in Mahabharata, that they could have annihilated the Pandavas and their whole army. There wouldn't have been anything or anyone left. They could have just completely destroyed them if Vishnu had not been their protector. And that just as truth certainly resides in a Brahmana, it was such at the time. Nowadays, when we think of a Brahmana, we just think of someone born in a certain family, that's all. But such a qualification, truth resides in a Brahmana. Humility is certain in those who are pious. Wealth is sure in those who are adroit and uh, skillful and worldly wise. So also victory is certain for Narayana. What is there in this world that cannot be conquered by the person who has Bhagavan Hari as his guide, his protector and his friend? These are the kind of discussions that were going on in the Kaurava camp. Duryodhana would say, well, come on, you're, you're Bhishma and you're Drona and you can't defeat... What, what? We can... We can defeat them all, but there's Krishna. There's Krishna. If it wasn't for Krishna, we'd annihilate them all. Shankaracharya, in the first instance of this name, says that Aparajita means he's, he, Bhagavan, is unconquered by desire, Desire means lust, greed, anger, all the bad qualities. And in this instance, he gives the understanding that Bhagavan is invincible. He's in terms of he cannot be defeated by any enemies. Uh, Satyasandha Tirta gives a similar understanding, but he breaks up the Sanskrit in a different way uh, to say that 
Ap, he, he makes it into two names. Apara, above whom there is no one, and Ajita, he who is not conquered. Or, he, uh, the same name, he takes it, breaks it up similarly, Apaha, who has no protector, he doesn't need to be protected by anyone, and Rajitaha, who shines, he's resplendent. Satyasandhatirta also says he's unconquered in another sense, in that no one can attain to him unless they're completely devoted to him. He will not, he is not easily available. Mukti dadarti karhichit bhakti yogam. We have in the fifth canto of Bhagavatam that Krishna fairly easily gives liberation, but he doesn't give devotion to himself very easily because by devotion to himself, he is conquered. So Aparajit, yes, he's unconquered, but he is conquered by love. Who is unconquered is conquered by devotion. Satyadeva Vashishta, in one of his one of his interpretations is like that of the others. I won't elaborate on it. One of his interpretations is that he's undefeatable because defeat means there has to be two. One, there has to be an enemy. There has to be another entity. One defeats another. But because there's nothing other than him, therefore he cannot be defeated. This uh, could be a little like Advaitavad. <laughs> that there, there, there is no different personalities. In one sense, it's true. We also accept there's nothing beyond him. Uh, but then, Eko Bahusyam. He is one, but he becomes many. So in one sense, he's one, and no one can conquer him in the sense that, that nothing is separate from him. It's true in the, in the material world at the time of universal devastation, there's nothing but him. Everything enters into him. He's... Aparajit, because none can disobey him. That's one kind of conquering over someone, to, to snub them, to defy them. And no one can make him obey their orders. Of course, when we get to Vrindavan, then he's conquered by love. But we're discussing Vishnu Sahasranam, Aparajit. He is not conquered. Uh, he's also unconquered in the sense that in course of time, we're all conquered by time. This name Aparajita comes in Bhagavad Gita in relation to not Krishna. Satyak is Chaparajitaha. Satyaki is referred to as one who is never defeated. But in course of time, all the great warriors, undefeated warriors, they get defeated. There may be someone who is, for instance, a boxing champion, and he retires 
undefeated. But when he retires, he retires. It means he's ultimately defeated. He gets out of the boxing profession knowing that if he goes on, he'll get older and weaker and slower and he will be defeated. But all these considerations don't they don't apply in the case of Vishnu because he never gets older or weaker or slower. Then, Baladev Vidya Bhushan, continuing to interpret this series of names in terms of Krishna acquiring his queens. Now, this name he says in relation to acquiring the queen Rukmini, who was, of course, the first of Krishna's queens, and before this, we've discussed about, uh, for instance, Satya, Nagnajiti. So it's not exactly chronological, but Aparajit um, means that in this instance, Baladev Vidyabhushan links the meaning to even though the troops of Rukmi, the brother of Rukmini, wanted to restrain Krishna when Krishna kidnapped Rukmini. Krishna was undefeated by them. Jai Sri Krishna Bhagavan. Aparajita, unconquerable. Vancha kalpatarubhyascha kripa sindhubi evacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaha dante nithaya trunakang padaya nipatya kritvacha kakushatam etat aham bravimi Hey, Sadhava Sakala Eva Vihaya Durad, Gauranga Chandra Charane Kurutanu Ragaha. Parivaditu Jano Yata Tatava Nanu Mokarona Vayang Vichara Yamaha. Hari Rasamadi Ramadati Matab Huvivilutama Nartama Nirvishama. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare. Hare. 